Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and Madame Webb, more like my fine web. Joining what? me today is Devendra Hardwar. <laughs> Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. Like Madame Webb, I too can see the future of how this review is going to go. <laughs> Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Madame Webb, the newest Sony film that takes place in the Spider-Verse. Unfortunately, not doing very well. Uh, I saw an article over at The Hollywood Reporter today entitled, Inside Sony's Madame Webb Collapse, Forget About a New Franchise. Here is a line from that article that I thought everyone here would appreciate. Uh, apparently, you know, Madame Webb sold early tickets, like all other movies, and then advanced critics reviews for this movie dropped on the internet. Uh, it got a 13% Rotten Tomato score, the lowest of any superhero film in nearly a decade. And according to one major theatrical chain insider, quote, on Wednesday night, you could actually watch advanced tickets uh, purchases sales declining <laughs> in real time as buyers were refunding their tickets. It really says something when you'd rather have Shazam two numbers. End quote. Amazing. Shazam this is, two. This is the lowest rated movie we've reviewed in a very long time as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shazam two opening weekend thirty point five million dollars. That was considered a catastrophic failure at the time, and now we have theater owners begging for something that was as good as Shazam two. You yeah. know that's what we. We all hoped for. So anyway, that's going to be our main review for the day. Should be a fun <laughs> conversation. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. We're on uh, various video platforms at the Filmcast Pod. We're also on TikTok at the Filmcast. We're posting new videos every week. Check us out there. And of course, you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Thanks to everyone who keeps this podcast going. Today, got a little bit of uh, emails we got to go through at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Some fun stuff there, as well as a, uh, a little bit of uh, streaming news before we get to our conversation about what we've been watching this week and then our review of Madam Web. So let's get into it, folks. Let's start with this email from Aaron D., who writes into slash filmcast at gmail.com about Argyle, the Matthew Vaughn movie that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago that also performed very badly at the box office. Uh, although the difference is Argyle, uh, they spent two times as much money as they did on that movie as they did on Madam Web. So, and it uh, shows, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this, this email will contain some arguable spoilers for Argyle, so skip forward by a minute or so if you care about that kind of thing. Aaron writes in, subject line, in subtle defense of Argyle, uh, and then he writes, quote, first, I'm not much of a Matthew Vaughn fan. I've enjoyed his visual flair, but he hasn't told stories that appeal to me, with the exceptions being Stardust and First Class. I always found Kick-Ass and Kingsman stuff to be distracted by a compulsion for irreverence at the expense of depth depth or meaning but argyle meant something to me i think argyle might be a metaphor for the beauty of maintaining long-term relationships once i locked into that the whole movie fell into place for me next year my wife and i will celebrate 30 years of marriage and this movie painted the metaphor of recapturing the original spark and remembering how you saw each other 
even if you've gotten older, changed your shape, or evolved in countless other ways. We tell stories and write novels about the past, not realizing that the same magic can be discovered in the present. The themes of reality versus fiction address our beliefs that somehow, since we're older or pudgier, that the magic is gone. There's a reason that Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell aren't the stereotypical Charlie's Angelina Brad Tom action type stars. There's a reason this feels more like a romance than a spy movie. There's even some interesting in-law commentary here as well, if you want to stretch the metaphor a bit. The point is, by the time these two were spinning around, framed by smoke hearts and kicking all sorts of tail with their average-looking selves, I actually had tears thinking of the beauty that can be found in long-term commitment and perseverance. That's right. I cried at Argyle. It doesn't mean the movie's technically great. It doesn't mean that anyone is wrong for hating it. It just means that the magic of storytelling is that we all bring something to the process that can result in empathy, growth, and magic. I, like R. Kyle, needed that reminder about who was actually staring back at me in the mirror, and I didn't think Matthew Vaughn would be the one to give it to me, but movies. Love you all. Keep up the amazing work. End quote. Anyway, I thought that was a beautiful email about one of the worst movies I've seen in the last I'm so happy that someone got something out of that movie. Yeah, for sure. If you're going to spend $200 million on something, at least someone somewhere should get something out of it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And it's it's a lovely sentiment that we all bring a different set of things to each movie that we watch. And that's why we all react to it in different ways. And, you know, what we try to do on the podcast is we try to be clear. We try to be clear about what it is we're bringing. Uh, and why we react to things in the way we are, but certainly, if if some part of Argyle resonated with you, resonated with you, then who are we to contradict that? Right? You know what it reminds me of, guys. What does it remind you of, Jeffrey? There's a scene from an Academy Award winning film called American Beauty, where there's a young <laughs> uh-huh. man uh-huh. staring at a VHS recording of a plastic bag. Uh huh. Uh huh. Floating through space, and he's just weeping, looking at that plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Argyle is the plastic bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Argyle yeah. didn't do anything. It's uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful. What Wes Bentley brought to it. Exactly, that's the beautiful part, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, thank you so much for the email. Uh, it's quite moving. The email from Aaron and uh, and I don't feel like that much of that many redeemable qualities can be found in Argyle, but reading it that way does give me pause before I then proceed to still believe that. Um, but <laughs> but still, <laughs> but still, I wanted to read it because may- maybe others out there will also feel the same way. So uh, thank you for the email at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. All right, Matt writes in to slashfilmcast.gmail.com. I've been long meaning to send an email to the Filmcast inbox regarding the phrase once used by Dave in response to bad jokes by Jeff. That's what? pretty. That's pretty rough, Jeff. <laughs> my brother and I are longtime listeners of the show, and at some point we osmosed, osmosis the phrase "pretty rough, Jeff" into our daily lives. So now, if either of us makes a bad joke in the presence of one or the uh, one one another, the other will certainly respond with "That's pretty rough, Jeff." Neither of us is named Jeff, by the way. We have adopted this phrase as a go-to callback, as though it is something akin to an iconic line from a '90s Simpsons episode. But it is not such a ubiquitous phrase, and presumably, our family and friends are bewildered. When they hear us refer to each other as Jeff. Wow. Not much else to the story. I've just been wanting to let you know that your show has influenced our day-to-day lives, even if it is in a pointless and nonsensical way. I hope you're having an amazing start to 2024. And Dave, we'd love to see a pretty rough Jeff make a comeback. You guys rock. But but none of my jokes are bad. I don't understand Mm. how this can even apply. This is is your contribution to society, Jeff. Yeah, That is bewildering a little bit. 
yeah. that, that yeah. The, the implication is that you do have bad jokes and yeah. uh, and so frequently that it became <laughs> a meme <laughs> yes. that it became a meme essentially yeah yeah mm. but uh good email and i'll just say i will in, i will labor i will endeavor to bring pretty rough jeff back into the lexicon okay mm, good luck i mean <laughs> I'm gonna need it. The, you know, the apparently, opportunities will be non-existent because all my jokes are bangers. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for the emails. Keep them coming into slashfilmcast at gmail dot com. Um, I wanted to mention a couple of other pieces of quick news before we get to our what we've been watching segment, and that is, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Voodoo Fandango. Is now Fandango at home? Okay, um, so Owned by Walmart, by the way. Yeah the the Voodoo name is going away. Oh man! After twenty years. Wow, Voodoo. We barely knew you. We barely knew you. Now here's the thing: people like to laugh at Voodoo. They like to scoff. You know, they like to say, "Wow, what a silly name that no one knows, or a service that no one Listen, uses." It was a great service at the time. Yes, I'm here. I am here to defend Voodoo. Uh huh. Okay, because. Uh, first of all, it it, it uh, was part of Movies Anywhere. So mm-hmm. anytime you bought a digital copy, it would go to Vudu. Uh, you could sense that the technology at work in Vudu was way worse than all the other streaming services uh, because you, I, I could log into Vudu on I'm, approximately 67 accounts mm-hmm. and no one would bat an eye. I would n- not receive a single message from anyone saying that from sounds like a uh, a feature, not a bug. Absolutely. Dave. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will, and the, I will say the streaming, the actual video streaming stuff was better on Voodoo. They even offered like higher bitrate HD, which nobody offered. Well, they have what I think is a killer feature mm-hmm. that no none of the it's other amazing. services have, yes. which is something called disc to digital. And what that means is you can take a DVD copy of any movie that you have. And, and some people who I mm-hmm. would never endorse do this with copies of movies they don't have. And you can submit a UPC scan of that DVD copy and convert it to a digital version for $2. Incredible. That is awesome. And it is especially very powerful for movies that no longer exist on digital. Like, you cannot buy certain movies on digital, but you can redeem them via this disc digital program. And so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a real soft spot for Voodoo in a variety of ways. Not the best looking service, not the most memorable name because no one uses that thing. Well, but, but is this yeah. is this the service going away or is this no, the no, no, name no. going away? The, the name, name is going away. Yeah, it's still, so, still well, going to be the same. Better matter. name than Fandango. What the fuck is Fandango? It's, it's <laughs> easily mean, trademarked is what it is. Yeah. I mean, Voodoo is four letters. It's so easy to pronounce. Like they had a really good thing going for a while, but I knew Voodoo was cooked the moment uh, Apple debuted the new Apple TV 4K, like a, basically a decade ago at this mm-hmm. point. And mm-hmm. Apple's like, hey. You got HD movies? We're going to upgrade them to 4K for free. And Voodoo was like, oh, sh- oh damn. I yeah, can't do that. Because Voodoo, they make you pay separately yes. for yes. like HDX versus their HD copy. They, they had 4K them. upgrades. It took them a while to get there. But iTunes did this whole thing. of ba- If you have an HD movie and we have the 4K copy, you will get a free upgrade. That's it. That's just easy. That's how it works. And also... They had special features, and Voodoo never did a great job about collecting things like commentaries and stuff from uh, from companies. Yeah. Well, anyway, Jeff, you're right. Uh, it's yes. still going to be around, right? Uh, all your movies and TV shows from Voodoo will remain in your Fandango at home library. 
uh, according to the FAQ, and nothing will change. However, you now have the option to link your Fandango and Fandango at home logins. Oh, sick. Great. <laughs> you can also link it all to Walmart because Game. Walmart owns owns all of that. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Oh, man. Yeah. What are amazing. we wasting um, our time doing this podcast when we could be <laughs> linking our accounts right yes, now? Linking our Fandango and Fandango at home logins. But also, I just need to point out that companies continue to be terrible at naming streaming companies uh-huh. or streaming services, right? Uh, Vo- Voodoo, a perfectly acceptable name. Now it's called Fandango at home, which is way more unwieldy, in my opinion. Indeed, Fandango, but that's not something I do at home. <laughs> well, guess what, sir? We now have Fandango at home. What? Mind yeah, no. blown. Because Fandango to me equals leaving my house. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is from a sizzle reel that a, an ad company played for the, the right. higher ups at Walmart. That's by right. The way. That's, you know yeah. Fandango. Of course I do. Everyone <laughs> does. That's what I call when I want to go out to the movies. Go out to the movies. Yeah, but who's got time for that? I just want to stay at home. So I can't use Fandango until now. More like Fandan Stay. How about that? <laughs> Fandan Stay. It's right there. Oh, um, there are two dictionary definitions for Fandango I'm seeing online. A lively Spanish dance for two people. First of all, I don't know how, how anything like really works with that. The second <laughs> one is a foolish or useless act or thing. There you go. That's what you name your company Nailed after? It. <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Also, Fan Jeff Dan Nice Stay is top tier, Davinja. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fan Dan Stay. The other piece of news that came out is that uh, apparently, uh, you know, Paramount Plus it, it, and Paramount in general, not in great shape these days. They oh, are sure, theoretically sure. angling to get acquired. There's many people who have uh, have expressed interest in acquiring Skydance, uh, uh, Byron Allen's company. But they uh, just debuted season two of Halo. They can't be doing poorly. <laughs> they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on Halo. Everyone's now, watching it. Now another player has entered the ring. Uh, apparently Peacock and Paramount Plus are in the process of discussing a merger. This would be Comcast. Of course, uh, Peacock is owned by uh, Comcast Universal. Yes. And so they are another company that uh, is potentially NBC. Yeah. partnering up with uh, with Paramount Plus. And so uh, there could be a combined streaming service of Pe- Peacock and Paramount Plus. Mount Cock! Uh, yes, in our in our text, we speculated or what Cock this might Mount. be. Yeah. Cock Mount, Mount Cock. Like there's we're, many... we're grown-ups over here. Paracox? Mi- yeah. Um, what'd you say? Paracox. Yeah. Uh, Cock Plus. That's another one mm-hmm. that could, could be mm-hmm. it. So. P Mount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> winner that's it that's it so so uh, i guess the question is do, uh, honest question cards on the table guys uh-huh. do you yeah. subscribe to either I, I like paramount is a great the thing is paramount has a lot of good stuff yeah. especially if you're a parent uh they got peppa pig they got Thor the explorer yeah. they got po- uh, paw patrol so because of that and because of the sci-fi stuff i keep on doing paramount plus right. peacock is the one i've let go and this I would be really subscribed helpful. to both. Really yeah, subscribed yeah. to both. Peacock, I had let go, but it got me back because they're like, "We'll give you a year for thirty bucks." Oh, wow. during the yeah. NFL and yeah. a lot of yeah. NFL games That's were pretty good. We're on Peacock playoff games, and I was like, well, "I'll do a year for thirty bucks." The, the yeah. only thing bringing me back to Peacock would be the Monk movie, which nobody talks about, but that came out in December, and apparently it's very good. So, yeah, you know, you I rushed right that. out and saw it. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> anyway, Paramount Peacock, uh, Paramount Plus and Peacock, considering merging or having some kind of partnership, uh, you know, I think that would actually be way better for consumers in some ways. That would ways. also include Showtime, because right now Showtime's with Paramount Plus. So, right. you know, so that's it, something. You could theoretically get Peacock, Paramount Plus, and Showtime under one roof. Uh, but yes, none of the names we came up with on this podcast today are worse than what it will actually be. I predict. Um, mm. I don't It'll think it'll be more gonna, boring than what we came up with. Yeah, they're they're not going to change the name. Like here, they're they're going to pick. Well, it's going to be something like one? Peacock with Paramount Plus or Paramount Plus with Peacock, and it will be another thing that's again very. It's going to be know. Peacock and dollar sign at the end. Yeah, <laughs> Peacocks. <laughs> Climb atop Mount Cock. We'll see if it happens. Uh, no. I, I think consolidation is inevitable, and this could be part of it. But yeah, it's it's consolidation is unfortunate. But we mm-hmm. all, I, I think that Paramount Plus is not going to be around in five years. Like it's just I don't. They, they they have so much good IP is the thing. Like yeah, they probably won't be around. But the vestiges, Star Trek, right, right, is not going away. Right? I'm not yeah, saying so. the IP is going away. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying as a streaming service that people pay. You know, mm-hmm, six, ten, mm-hmm. twelve, fifteen dollars for it's not going to be around. I don't think it, it will. Um, Peacock, you know, Comcast is the far bigger company, so it will yeah. probably be all under Peacock, and that will just be the name. And nobody cares what Paramount Plus right. is called, so I think it'll be fine. Hundred percent, hundred percent. This yeah. also, actually, I've been writing a long piece, uh, and Gadget is turning twenty years old this year, very Ooh. soon, and uh, I've been writing a long piece about my experience just watching video on the internet, and I recall. It was like 1994 or 95, whenever the first Mortal Kombat movie came out. I looked up a URL that was printed in a GamePro magazine. And it was not an easy, it was not like the main website. It was like freaking geocities.com slash Tokyo slash yada, yada, yada. It was a long, long address to get a glimpse of the Mortal Kombat trailer. I did this on a 33.6 kilobit per second modem. Worth it. It took... 20 minutes to load Worth and it. it looked like garbage i could not see anything i could not hear anything <laughs> but i gathered my entire family around to be like look what i did on the internet i got a video and uh this week i put on a, a, a vision pro and watched <laughs> sunshine projected like virtually in cinema you know yeah. scope in front of me like it is how We've far we have way. come yeah how far we have come guys. it's a beautiful thing yeah uh, I would like to point out. I told you guys before we started recording that uh, we, we here we are recording on on the President's Day holiday day, and my wife uh, <laughs> invited some of her friends over for a brunch, and they have the kids here. And uh, I was up. I helped. I made some pancakes for everybody, and then I I said, oh, "I'm sorry, I have to go down and go to work." <laughs> Talk about uh, movies. And now uh, I I can imagine all of them hearing me screaming Mount Cock at the top of my lungs. Yeah, that's. Yeah. But that's just another day in the Kanata household. Just, oh, that's Daddy's my husband. The he's, bacon. At, he's at yeah. work. He's, <laughs> you know, yeah. nine to five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see what happens. And just to be clear, uh, yeah, the the shows and the Star Trek stuff and the IP, that's all still going to be around. I'm just it's saying as, split a, up, as a standalone yeah. service yes, that people yeah. pay money, I don't think it will survive. Um and Peacock and Paramount Plus combining, that would be a very logical thing to happen. Peacock, uh, Paramount Plus and Max combining, that would be a very logical thing to happen. Mm. Um, these companies, it's very difficult financially to maintain these streaming services. It just, it's just hugely expensive from both a yeah. tech and IP perspective. And so um, we will see uh, how it goes. But 
you know, another chapter in the streaming wars about to be fought. We'll yeah. see how it plays out. It, it's funny because everybody's going too hard. Like they put so much money into that Halo show. I don't know if you guys have actually seen it, but it is a very expensive looking show. I feel like Apple is the only company being like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a small portfolio of shows, maybe some movies. You know, we're gonna be sensible about this. It doesn't feel like they're going super crazy, even though those things are expensive too. So I don't know. Apple TV Plus won't be going anywhere for a while. Uh, indeed. Yeah. So. All right. I, I gotta say. Paramount Plus gets a bad rap, but it there's does. some great shows on it. There's some excellent shows that I've evil. watched. Evil, yes. Yeah, I know you like Evil. I haven't watched that, but, you know, Colin from Accounts, one of the mm-hmm. most entertaining shows I watched last year. Um, uh, the Curse, we talked about a lot, is Paramount yeah. Plus. The Ghosts um, remake, uh, the remake of the British comedy, Ghosts, my wife is watching that. It's pretty, yeah. it's all right. I mean, there's some, I, I have been subscribed to paramount plus for a long time and i find it to be there's always like one or two shows that come along and i'm like i'm really glad i got to watch this mm-hmm. so, the frazier um, reboot guys come on yeah kelsey Grammer's yeah. back all right well those are a few pieces of film news and streaming news for you today let's take a break for a sponsor we'll be back with more and what we've been watching right after this all right, folks, let's talk about what we've been watching. I had a chance to watch Next Goal Wins, which is Taika Waititi's latest movie that is available right now on Hulu. Uh, Jeff Kanata, I think you spoke about this movie a few months ago. From, yeah, my mom and I went to see it when it was in theaters. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say I'm a sucker for underdog sports movies. You know, like mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite genres of, of movies. And so I thought to myself, underdog sports movie plus Taika Waititi, how could you lose? And I, I recall you saying you kind of enjoyed this movie, right, Jeff? I like, did. You, you're, you're I, I find it. I found it to be pretty charming, and uh, you know, not not the greatest movie I've ever seen. You know, fairly predictable, but I I had enough fun with it that I it was worth my time. Yeah, I'm like pretty torn on this one because on the one hand, I think it like underdog sports movies have an extremely simple formula. They're they're almost like rom-coms in terms of how formulaic they are. And as long as you hit those beats, the movie is basically successful. And I have to say, this movie barely hit those beats, in my opinion. Like, I don't think it did a particularly competent job of hitting those beats. Um, this movie, Next Goal Wins, is about a coach, a soccer coach who is down on his luck. His career is in shambles. And he, side, he decides to take a coaching job at, for the soccer team of American Samoa, uh, who have notoriously never scored a goal before. And all they're trying to do is score one single goal. This is based on a true story. Yes, absolutely. And so uh, he flies down there and it's a whole fish out of water like, oh, these strange people and their customs. You know, the the coach is played by Michael Fassbender. Uh, And the the biggest issue with this movie is that uh, we learn so little about the actual players on the team. Usually in this, like a sports movie like this, you get tons of backstory about all the different people and like the different journeys, the micro journeys that are all going on, the little arcs that are all going on. And we get a little bit of that for sure in Next School Wins, but it is so sparse. It feels like there were just honestly entire subplots that felt cut out of the movie. Um, and as, as a result, I think the movie it, it doesn't really serve any of those characters on the team particularly well. And it's really, you know, Michael Fassbender's arc that gets the most attention. And I don't think it's particularly interesting in my opinion. So 
I, I I would give this a barely recommend for people who are like diehard Taika Waititi fans and or diehard underdog sports movie fans. Um, but otherwise, I, I did not think it was particularly well done. It's it, I, I wanted to, if not love it, then at least think it kind of mm-hmm. scratched that itch for me, you know. And unfortunately, I don't think it, it did a particularly good job of that. But like, like, what a great opportunity for Taika Waititi to do something that is not a giant Marvel movie, right? And it's, it's a shame. I still want to see it. It's yeah, it's not ter- it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, there's there's some stuff in it that is not great, but like you know, in, in, again, in particular, all in the way in how like the team members are are treated in the film. Um, but yeah, it just is like what a what a missed opportunity. You know, it felt like there's so much more potential in this one. Um, so uh, ultimately, for me, it was a disappointment. But it's not not terrible. And if you love Taika Waititi things, or if you love underdog sports movies. Uh, then I actually think you might get something out of this. But the movie is Next Goal Wins, and it's available for streaming right now on Hulu. Devinder Hardware, hit us up with something you've been watching this week. Sure, I want to shout out the second season of Tokyo Vice, which is on Max right now. It premiered, uh, let me see, it started on for HBO. Yeah, yeah, the one to watch, watch for HBO. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it goes now. Um, I loved the first season of this show because it kind of combined a lot of things I like. Uh, Michael Mann aesthetic. He is uh, he is a executive producer on the show. It's called Tokyo Vice. So I think I knew they knew exactly what they were doing. It's also based on a book by an American journalist who was uh, Jake Adelstein, who was famous for um, being one of I think the first foreign journalist uh, hired in a major Japanese newspaper. So it's based on his uh, his book about his own life there. Um, I think this show is a lot of fun. The first episode, at the very least, everybody should go check out the very first episode of Tokyo Vice, which is directed by Michael Mann and has like just really good vibes. Like again, like he just like finds ways to shoot things. There, there was a shot of somebody who is like somebody who was, I think, murdered at some point, but it is shot in such a way that it's just like, oh, that's really interesting or haunting and uh, of course it's it's very like unconventional um this show follows the journalist jake adelstein uh he is working on the crime beat at a major newspaper it co-stars ken watanabe who continues to be awesome here um also has a it just has like the good michael mann vibes of dudes who have feelings um shoka kasamatsu stars as a yakuza guy who also has feelings and we really don't see that too much. Uh, he, he's a guy who can bust out in, uh, you know, singing Backstreet Boys with uh, with Mr. Jake Elstein. And they kind of bro out about it. But at the same time, there is like murder and Yakuza stuff happening. And also really important journalism happening. It's like a mixture of all these things that I really enjoy. I think season two from the three episodes I've seen so far. It's far stronger than the first one. Uh, there are characters who I did not quite like, who still get some focus here, but I think are written better. It looks cool because we don't really get to see like the underside of Tokyo too much. And uh, I just, I really dig it. I really love the combination of like crime and journalism and uh, bros just burrowing out in like a typical Michael Mann fashion. So if you like any of these things, if you like Yakuza movies, if you like journalism movies or shows, I think Tokyo Vice is definitely worth a shot. And uh, I don't know. It's not it's not going to be around for much longer. This is a show that is like wearing a cancel me sign on it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's worth <laughs> watching. Why, why, why is that? Because it's so expensive. I mean, it's, like, it's expensive. Yeah, it's, shot, and... it's shot in Japan with like right. a mostly foreign cast. 
Um, and it has like notable names like Ken Watanabe, Rinko yeah. Kikuchi is in here. Um, Ansel Elgort. Very, is, is and very few lead. people are watching it. You know, like I think I, very I, few people are watching. But uh, you know, a lot of people are doing uh, great reporting criticism about the show about like why it's so interesting now. So I know Roxana Hadadi has written a lot about this as well. So you know, check out Tokyo Vice if you like my recommendations about crime stuff and Yakuza stuff. This one is definitely worth a watch. All right, that's Tokyo Vice season two on Max, the one to watch for HBO. That's something else Devinder Hardware has been watching. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching. Well, I checked out a, a new series on Hulu called Death and Other Details. Uh, this is uh, streaming now. It is it is still going. It's uh, uh, got several more episodes before it wraps up in March. Uh, and uh, so I don't know how this is going to end. And this is a mystery. Uh, a, a kind of a classical locked room mystery premise. This is like an like an Agatha Christie type uh, classic uh, genius detective. Uh, they're on a boat. Everybody, somebody is murdered on the boat, and so all the suspects are still on the boat. We got a locked room. We got a we got one of the, one of the people here done it. Who done it? Uh, and. It. Uh, Nope. So it's kind of a classical mystery uh, series. Stars Mandy Patinkin as the uh, the world's greatest detective, Rufus Coatsworth. Um, what a name. Right? Wow. So good. Yeah. Um, I'm digging this. I think it starts, the first episode starts pretty clunkily, and I was very worried about it. But I think if if you hang on past the second episode... And you're like me. I think you'll be you'll be hooked. It's got some really juicy, interesting twists right away that uh, I think kind of make it really interesting. Basically, without spoiling anything, I will say the the broad premise of this show, at least initially, is there is a uh, a young woman uh, played by Violet Bean who. Um, in backstory, uh, witnessed a murder and uh, wanted Rufus Coatsworth to solve it. And Rufus Coatsworth promised her she would, she was a little kid at the time, promised her he would solve the mystery and let her down. And then cut to them both on this ocean liner and someone is murdered and Rufus Coatsworth is there and he says, I'm going to solve the murder. And she hates him. So it's this really kind of interesting dynamic of, you know, you have the world's greatest detective, but you think he's a fraud, you hate him, you know, and and kind of how they have to team up to solve this mystery, uh, but there's this antagonism between them. I found that premise to be really cool. It doesn't kind of manifest itself until, I think, episode two. Um, and, and some interesting other twists happen early on. I'm very curious, with shows like this, Often, you know, you decide whether they are worth it by the end, you know, and I have obviously the end hasn't happened yet. So I don't know if this will actually let me down. You know, it's it's often like, what is the, the final solution going to be? But I'm having a, a good time watching death and other details now. Mostly, I think the the show is is kind of fun and uh, knows what it is and knows what it's doing and is kind of embracing the tropes of that very classic, you know, subgenre. Mm -hmm. But I also think the joy of this is Mandy Patinkin. I love Mandy Patinkin. 
and he gets to chew scenery as this kind of, you know, the prototypical ornery, uh, you know, uh, pompous kind of, uh, I- I'm going to solve everything. But but he's also being subverted by this woman who just thinks he's a complete fraud at every turn. So it, there's some some delicious interplay there. And Potenkin is doing this ridiculous accent. And he, I mean, he's like full Poirot. I mean, he's not French, but he's like doing an Australian accent, I think, or something. Uh, but it's just Why? great. It just, you see him like being really, uh, you know, really diving into this kind of uh, goofy character. And I, I'm having a good time with this show. I have, I have to say, Jeff, I'm getting some Bosch vibes from your description <laughs> of the show. And I am, uh, I just have a, a scoreboard here of the times I have recommended Bosch <laughs> yeah. to Mr. Jeff Kanata and David Chen. And uh, I, the, the viewed lot listing is, is yeah. empty. There's I have a, no more. There's, a, there's another column for uh-huh. how many times viewed. Yeah. 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 I get yeah, you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, you haven't had a chance to mark that column yet. I it's get it. Baron's dusty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's as barren as Madam Webb's box office opening. Oh. Um, the uh, so Jeff, I saw a trailer for this a while ago. I think it was during a football game, and obviously, my wife is obsessed with Agatha Christie. So I thought, yeah. oh, this is a great fit for her. Right. Then I read some reviews, which were uniformly negative. Uh, and the primary complaint that they had was this feels like a two hour long film stretched into a, you know, six, eight, 10 hour long series uh, in a way that it feels extremely tedious. And I'm curious if you make anything of that complaint. Uh, I, you know, I can understand people thinking that and perhaps you would think that uh, if you <laughs> if you watched it. I, uh-huh. I you know, I, I I'm not in that place. I, I think that it, the show starts very, as I said, very rough. And I went, Ooh, this isn't going to be good at all, but I think it finds its footing pretty quickly. And I know the, the whole point of shows like this is to sort of tease it out and keep, you know, keep uh, kicking that can down the road until the final, the final episode. So, you know, I've only watched three and a half of these so far. Uh, and there's going to be 10. So maybe I haven't even gotten deep enough to uh, to feel that stretch happening. But I'm in. I'm, I feel like uh, I want to see where this where this goes. All right. Well, that is Death and Other Details. And it's streaming right now on Hulu. And that's something Jeff Kanata has been watching. Uh, I will mention, I had a chance to watch Jennifer Lopez's new movie thing. slash music yeah. video <laughs> I'm, slash I'm jealous i wanted to see this diary question mark anyway yeah. uh jennifer lopez collaborated with a very well-regarded uh m- music video director named david myers to make a 66 long minute movie called this is me dot 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 now great title is, is the title of the movie this is not just this is me back then yeah <laughs> this is me it's, this is me dot 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 now they want you to think about it, though. They want you to think about when this is this me. This is me. Wait, but I know. I feel mm. like now. Oh, now. Yeah, you got me. By the way, the movie is not actually 66 minutes. It's actually closer to like 60, like 58 minutes. And then uh-huh. the last seven minutes is credits. Um, so just letting you know. Thank God you, you clarified that. I know. In case you were like, wow, I really can't do anything over an hour right now. You know, that's. Yeah. Listen, I, I really want to see this uh, this thing with my wife because she's I, a big Jennifer Lopez fan. She loved the cell. 
the trailer for this thing gave me a lot of sell vibes yes. from Tarsem. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I'm uh, a big fan of credits, so I'm hoping that last seven minutes right. really comes through. <laughs> right, you just want credit. Jennifer Lopez clearly taking a lot of lessons from her time with Tarsem in this one. Uh, there's definitely a lot of mythological imagery in mm-hmm. this movie. So what this is me dot 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 now is is it's a uh, it's a combination of a movie that ha- I guess a musical might be the best way to describe it. It is. Um, a series of songs from Jennifer Lopez's new album uh, that are basically like music videos, right? They like, call this visual album. Visual album, right? So it's like yeah. music videos of these songs, like just kind of like whatever you imagine a music video to be, it's that. And then in the in between those songs, there is narrative portions. This is um, like Beyonce's Lemonade, right? You know, sort people of. would actually slap me if I compare yeah, the two. Yeah. Oh. Uh, many people regard wow. Beyonce's Lemonade as a masterpiece, and um, this is this is not a masterpiece. Uh, oh. I'm just gonna put that out there. All right. This is not that good, but also extremely fascinating. It's just rare uh, to get the album. By the way, it chronicles Jennifer Lopez's adventures through love like all the loves that she's had in her life in her life and why some of them went well and what what, how some of them went wrong and it is rare fleck others and then ben affleck Affleck again again. (laughs) you gotta and i will not spoil how ben affleck appears in this Mm -hmm, if at mm -hmm. all uh but I'll, i'll say it is interesting and um it's just rare to get that insight into uh, into any famous person's kind of personal life, like in this way, right? Like a, a musical version of it. Uh, I, I find a lot of musical artists are extremely literal, you know, like for instance, there is a, uh, like, when you look at like Taylor Swift or, or JLo or whatever, like there's a, there's a song where it's about this couple that's um, they, they do the rebound over and over again. They, they like, they break up and they come back together. And the way that is depicted in this, this is me dot, dot, dot now is, it shows Jennifer Lopez and then like she is literally has like a bungee cord attached to this other dude and they're like dancing around and then they, they like <laughs> come together and then they like stretch apart and then they come together again. What can and, that metaphor mean though? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of, a lot of, you know, the, the, this is me dot, dot, dot now opens with a, uh, a depiction of Jennifer Lopez's heart as though it is like a gigantic piece of machinery that all these people are mm. struggling to maintain as though they're in this futuristic uh, steampunk-esque factory, you know? Mm. What could and that metaphor like, it's mean, bra- though? It's breaking. The heart mm. is breaking, you see. Mm. I see. The physical machinery of, of the heart is breaking. And yeah. so, anyway, mm. so it's that kind of stuff. And it is, in my opinion, most of the time, pretty fascinating, pretty interesting. Jennifer Lopez is such a charismatic uh, presence. I actually think I actually enjoyed watching her more in this than in her last movie on Netflix. The mother, I think is what it was called. Um, I think this is a, a much better way to spend the time. So you do think but, this is uh, just as good as lemonade? Uh, nope. That is the opposite of what we'll I be said. nominated for as uh, many awards. Yes. But, but the thing is that uh, often the, this is me dot, dot, dot now comes across as very, clunky i don't think it particularly looks that good most of the time um there's some creative decision like clearly nobody said no to jennifer lopez when it came to the creative decisions you know like every idea it's her baby exactly this is her right you know every idea is on no matter how ill-advised it is and some of them are quite ill-advised in my fascinating yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting so uh if you're a fan of jennifer lopez uh and her work 
and and kind of want a glimpse into what her life has been like as a celebrity over all these years, then this is me. Dot dot now will give you that glimpse, and I think it's um again not I wouldn't describe it as good, but it is interesting. And so uh, check it out. It's on Prime Video. Movie title is This Is Me. Dot 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 now. Let's take another break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more and what we've been watching right after this. All right, Devinder Hardware, hit us up with something you've been watching. Oh, yeah. I wanted to uh, talk about the latest season of Invincible. Uh, that's just the first part of season two. It's coming back for the second part on March 14th. Um, but, you know, I like this show. I had some issues with, like, how the first season went down, especially, like, how they actually produced it and the animation and stuff. I have to say, it looks a lot better in season yeah, two. Yeah, wait, wait. Like, so, so yeah. this is, okay, so this is, uh, I, I thought you were talking about Invincible I'm not season talking two, about, part two. I'm not talking about part two. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Good. I was like, damn it, Devinder got the screeners ahead of me I do again. have <laughs> access to part two. Oh. I'll be watching that at some point, but I'm just talking okay. about my catching up on what's available to everybody. Nice. Um, Invincible season two, pretty damn good. I think it's a lot more focused than uh, than some of the stuff in season one, but namely, the uh, it looks like they're spending more money on this show. So the animation is no longer bugging me in the way that season one did. Um, there's one episode, too, that is uh, technically a prequel. It's all about Adam Eve and her, like, how she got her powers and everything. Um, that looks really good. That feels like it's almost like, almost like you know, feature animated film level of, uh, of talent there. But yeah, I don't know if it's a new studio or more money going into the show or something. But I'm just happy to see Invincible being treated uh, properly. I think it looks so much better now and uh there's a lot of good stuff like we we talked about the first season you all liked it i think you will love the season if you guys check it out and uh yeah i'm just eager to see where it goes next but yeah. uh but both yeah, both, jeff and, I, both yeah. jeff and i have seen it uh, jeff talked about it on the podcast a while back. okay um yeah. okay i think season two part one which is available right now on prime video is pretty uneven i would say mm. there are some cool moments it's only in four it. episodes man yeah i know Plus the prequel yeah i know but that's what i'm saying like it doesn't i think like for a show like Invincible, um, it, it feels best when it is in a rhythm, like it's mm -hmm, in a good rhythm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like season one got there for sure. And season two, I feel like with just four episodes, it hasn't felt like it's gotten the chance to get yeah, into yeah, any yeah. kind of rhythm. And we're, so, we're just getting a taste of this world again. Right. And, and, and it is and going like, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's literally all over the place, like in terms of geographic location. And, um, some major plot lines feel like they they need to be resolved in one episode mm -hmm. uh, in a way that doesn't really serve the storytelling, in my opinion. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some good, I, I, I would say there's some good high quality stuff in season two, part one, yeah. but overall pretty uneven. Jeff Kanata, do you have any thoughts on it? I definitely had more fun than it sounds like you did. I, I thought season two, part one was pretty great. I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I don't know the reasoning behind breaking it up like that, I feel like they could have just put it all out, you know, but I guess they wanted to get it into people's eyeballs sooner so that people didn't lose interest in invincible or I don't know. Yeah. But it keeps yeah. the conversation going. Yeah. Know? I guess like it, Amazon tends to just drop things and never talk about it, never really promote it. And it kind of yeah. sucks. Like, you know, so I, I understand why. Well, anyway, Invincible Season 2 Part 2 is coming in March on Prime Soon, Video. And I'm, I'm really yeah. excited about that. So anyway, those are uh, that's something else that Devinder Hardware has been watching. And I'm looking forward to Invincible Season 2 Part 2 as well. Both of you guys, Devindra and Jeff, you both had a chance to experience a movie in Apple Vision Pro. By the way, we discussed yes. the Apple Vision Pro extensively in a recent After Dark Patreon.com slash film podcast if you want to uh, hear about Devindra and Jeff's uh, sort of reactions to the Apple Vision Pro. Jeff Kanata, 
what's something you watched on the Vision Pro this week? Well, I checked out the IMAX app on Vision Pro. This is something Devendra pointed me to. I didn't so even aware yeah. that it was there. And it is, uh, it's jaw-dropping. It is absolutely incredible. As much as I have been impressed by the 3D movie viewing experience on Vision Pro, which is, I think, the way to watch 3D movies if you care about 3D, um, I, <laughs> I am equally as impressed by the presentation of IMAX on Vision Pro. The only downside is the IMAX app. I believe only has three things on it right now. It's it's, it's what yeah they just like collected a bunch of things and I think one is free right the one you watch one is free the one I watched is free rent. yeah you yeah. can see my level of uh, commitment <laughs> at this point but uh, there's two other ones that you can rent for seven bucks each uh, and all three are sort of classic IMAX documentaries like the stuff that you would go at a mm -hmm. you know if you, you go to a fair or something that has a, a real imax screen i used there's an amusement park where i grew yes. up that had like a real imax and it would always be you know this you know a grand canyon documentary or in this case beautiful planet which is a um space documentary narrated by uh, jennifer lawrence uh, it's several years old at this point, mm -hmm. but I'd never seen it. I certainly it's, never seen uh, it. I just want to say, Jeff, it is notable for being the first IMAX 3D, like fully 3D one that was oh, shot really? in space. So that well, is it's not in it's 3D really on the app, uh, huh. which is interesting. Uh, it's okay. only in 2D, but it is presented like you have the best seat at an IMAX theater mm -hmm. in the world. And the IMAX screen is enormous in front of you in Vision Pro. And it it is actually presented in one four three. It, it is presented. It, it goes back and forth as the actual movie does. But it 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 is an extraordinary experience. It feels like you are in a IMAX theater watching the biggest screen in the world. And Beautiful Planet was made to, as many of these documentaries are, made to accentuate that that sensation because you know you have these incredibly beautiful broad shots of you know rolling across the, the the you know from space looking at earth uh you have these incredible sequences uh from the international space station you have these it just is it's an amazing um an amazing visual experience being enveloped in that massive screen and the biggest reason i i bring it up is because i think this is a huge opportunity. Obviously the install base for vision pro is small, mm -hmm. but I think this could be brought to quest three and other, uh, headsets to really give people an opportunity to see IMAX the way it's supposed to be seen. And I, you know, I'm sure purists would quibble with me ab about that sentence and, and it, you know, it's meant to be seen in an auditorium, but this is damn close. You guys, it is an extraordinary extraordinary experience and it made me really wish that i could rent or buy imax versions of films that have been shot in imax mm -hmm. and watch them in the headset i i want to watch dune before the sequel in imax again and there's n literally no way to do that I'm, right? pre I'm pretty sure apple jeff like they're looking at this they're looking at this imax app right and disney had made a special relationship with imax to get the slightly bigger scope on on disney plus right so I, I can imagine 
Apple wants to make that happen and just make that like an iTunes feature, right? Man, I yeah. I want that so badly. I want to I want to revisit a, a lot of these Nolan movies and and a lot you know the the movies that have been shot in IMAX, you know, Mission Impossible here or there. I would love to revisit those inside Vision Pro. I want to watch Dune. I want to. I want to see that incredible footage in that aspect ratio on that size of a screen, in the comfort of my own home. What an amazing thing that would be! Anytime mm-hmm. I want to to be able to go to an IMAX screen, it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm um, <laughs> minimizing Beautiful Planet, which is really the subject of my discussion here. But it really is a broader topic for me. It's. It's for the first time ever, we have the ability to watch IMAX material. And it feels like you're watching IMAX material. It's it is truly gobsmacking. I, I could not believe how powerful it felt, how immense it. I mean that that feeling. If you know, if you're listening to this and you know what it's like to sit in a true IMAX theater and see the immensity of that screen and just kind of tumble into it. That's what I had sitting in my chair in my office all by myself. Like it's, it's an amazing thing. And beautiful planet is gorgeous and cool and and interesting. And I'm curious to, to try the other two, but again, there's only three things on it right now. <laughs> and I really want more content to be brought to that format in that, uh, in that headset and in other headsets, mm-hmm. like vision pro has the highest fidelity. It will be the one that will give you the, the, the best experience. But I do think that quest three could have an app like this and it would look real good. I think it would yeah, be perfectly yeah, yeah. acceptable. Uh, Jeff, like uh, you can choose your seat, you know, when you do the virtual cinema and vision pro. And I would recommend just, uh, just try doing the first row thing for a lot of movies. Cause it does. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's why uh, I sit yeah, up close. I when I yeah, here's my question. Yeah. Here's my question is theoretically this, uh, IMAX app in the vision pro places you in, as you said, the perfect seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is its version of the perfect? You can choose. Where, you can choose. Is, you can, you well, can what move is the it default? around. Where does it default? Where is the eye line in the default? Uh, I think it it is not the back row, which is what I would prefer. It's like yeah. one third. Yeah, one it's third like a third of the way forward. That's yeah. that's which about is right. my preferred yeah. spot and center, yeah. obviously. But you can move it wherever you want. You know, you can. Yeah, yeah. You know. Okay, but, a couple of other quick questions, Jeff. How long is the uh, beautiful planet? Forty four minutes. Got I believe. It. And. I got to say, Jeff, I'm a little surprised. I thought that, you know, there's been a bunch of stories this week about people returning their Vision Pros. Um, some Apple stores report like above average returns yeah. for the Vision Pro. I, I I'm thought, packing up my review unit to go back. Yes. I thought I thought you would return your Vision Pro. Um, I should. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> and so, but you have decided not to, it sounds like. Is that is that? Is that yeah. a, it, it sounds like it wasn't even a conscious decision as uh, as I framed. Yeah, that's right. right. That's okay. right. Jeff, you, you gotta know, buy a Mac. If you, if you're keeping that thing, you have to buy a Mac so you can do the big old Mac screen. I just that's thing. not why I got it. I'm you not, gotta do it, Jeff. Try it. <laughs> I, you Literally, know what I do? If Apple sold a thing that just did that for a thousand dollars, it would fly off the shelves. That's how like cool it is. You guys are gonna make fun of me when I yep. say this, and and it's not gonna even sound true, but I I promise you this is. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I almost every night since I've gotten it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, before I go to bed, I put it on and I just watch the spatial video of my family that I have shot that day. 
Uh-huh. Why would I make fun of that? That sounds like a lovely. It's, it's, it's lovely. like yeah. such a cliche. I mean, I'm literally doing the Minority Report thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you're, except your family's still around. Except they're still know? around. But well, it you, feels know, you put like them to bed gone. early. You're like, Daddy, Daddy has to work, and that's you right. go into a room that's by right. yourself while your family's still. It's awake, the best version know? of them because they don't talk back. They're just there, preserved in amber forever. Um, but it is. I'm telling you guys, it is the craziest sensation mm-hmm. to it's be wild. able yeah, to yeah. revisit a moment you lived mm-hmm. it, like you're standing there still. Mm-hmm. It's truly and, – and so I, in that way, I'm kind of addicted to it. And it's the kind of the dumbest use case because – it's very expensive way to like look at video of that I shot earlier that day. <laughs> look at 1080p video, 30 yeah. frames per second video, while your phone is capable of 4K 60 FPS. But, it's, it's, uh, but they're standing there. There's depth, and they're 3D. like they feel like people, and it's it's the crazy. And when they look at you, mm-hmm. and you they look at into the lens, and they say something like, "My daughter, like, hi, daddy." It's like <laughs> it's that your daughter's on the other thing. side of the Vision Pro. You're like, quiet down. Yeah, yeah. Trying to Stop. To Daddy's trying to listen to you be adorable right now. <laughs> uh I, I recently rewatched the uh the the infamous Pizza Hut scene from Back to the Future 2, right? The rehydrating your pizza scene. I forgot that basically the kids were wearing just just VR headsets yeah. at the table yeah. and just like unengaged with uh using it as their, like their phones and stuff. That movie really predicted a lot, guys. Well, uh, yeah. okay, I'm gonna need a little backstory here. Why did you rewatch that scene recently? <laughs> Listen, uh, I said I was writing about the history of streaming. Okay, oh, so, all right. Know, <laughs> there there all are things. There are things mm-hmm. I, I pull in into that story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, that's a great movie. Um, but that particular scene, I totally forgot. That they're like, yes, people wearing headsets at a dinner table, yeah. totally det- detached from the world around them. Uh, we are living that reality. Back to the Future 2 was right. Do you know yeah, what that's was the whole, one of that's my all fa- the Michael J. Foxes, yes. right? They're all sitting around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally remember that. Yeah. Do you know what one of my favorite kind of predictions of future tech is? Is in the movie Children of Men. Uh huh. There is a scene where I the, think the dinner Cl- scene. Yes. Yeah. Clive Owen goes to visit his cousin, I want to say. His cousin well, who has all the artwork. Who yes. has all the artwork, like Guernica and all that stuff. And then. His cousin has a son who is playing a video game at the dinner table. And yep. you see this video game for, I'm going to say, six seconds in the whole film. Um, and it's like he's literally just manipulating what looks like, I'll just, this is not exactly what it is, but for the sake of this podcast, I'll just say he's manipulating what looks like a digital Rubik's Cube. Yes. Um, yeah. It's not exactly what it is, but it's like a cube and he's kind of just like poking it around. And I was like, huh, that's odd. Like, I would imagine in the mm-hmm. future you'd have photorealistic shit and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, uh, one of the most popular game types that have, has come around is like Clicker Hero. You know, it's just... Yes, you're yes. Just, and I played Clicker Hero for a really long time. Um, <laughs> it's just like, you know, games where you're just smashing a click button on your mm-hmm. iPhone. You know, that, to, that to, scene... Yeah. By the way, is fascinating. It always kind of like I, I had trouble deconstructing it when I first saw the yeah. movie because yeah. it is the kid. It's a teenager zoned into this thing right. completely. Yes, completely out of touch with the world around him. Right. His father shouts like five times, like "Hey, yes. hey, get your attention!" <laughs> and uh, now that I have toddlers, I totally understand it. <laughs> totally understand. Like trying to trying to get an in between Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol mm-hmm. is uh, is the worst thing in the world. So yeah, that movie got that That's right. That's so cool too. that you remember that scene too, Devendra. Um, I do. But yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, it just it, stuck it, with me. It forever. made an impression. Made an impression. Anyway, children of Menhive, rise up. All right, and we're living it. Rise up because uh, <laughs> that is now our reality. Because it's now our reality. All right, Devendra Hardware, you cho- you watched something in Vision Pro as well, right? I did. Uh, this week I saw a movie. 
starring Killian Murphy as a physicist in charge of a powerful atomic bomb on which the fate of humanity sits. Um, but enough about Oppenheimer. Let's talk about Sunshine. Nice. Nailed it, Devendra. Perfect. Um, it. <laughs> Sunshine is a very good movie. And in the Vision Pro, it is it is fantastic. Uh, I watched it because I talked about Sunshine on the uh, Escape Hatch podcast. You can check out a longer conversation there. But uh, this movie's good, guys. We're coming on almost 20 years into Sunshine. It was released in 2007. I remember loving it at the time and being a little like miffed on the third act and everything. And now after, you know, we are we are many, many years beyond this and pop culture has given us far worse things. I, I don't mind the third act that much. I can, in fact, understand it. And I can see the trouble that they had. Um, I think Danny Boyle and both Alex Garland have talked about like how hard it was to kind of wrap this movie and also like make it appeasing to the appeasing the studio and everything. Um, I love this movie. It is beautiful. It's poetic and watching it on the vision pro, I'm like very, very close either up front or in like the front middle. Um, you get the scope of being in a the theater and I, I just miss this. I wish, I wish I could have this all the time. Um, I know there are movie watching apps like big screen on the quest, and that is a slightly more, a much more affordable way to saw, to see these things. But it does really sell the whole idea of like what Apple is doing here with the vision pro and like the quality of the screen and just the ability to just throw you into an immense cinema whenever you want is kind of incredible. I cannot wait until it gets cheaper, you know, cause I think this is something, especially cinephiles, especially people who appreciate the, the scope of a theater screen. I think people will actually appreciate it. So yeah, Sunshine is very good. Go check it out again. Sunshine is an incredible movie. There was a Chris Evans interview from 2011 that resurfaced mm -hmm. recently uh, in, I think I want to say fall of last year. Uh, Chris Evans gave this quote about the Danny Boyle film Sunshine quote. I love Sunshine. Like 10 people saw it. All my good movies. Nobody sees. Everybody goes and it's sees. Everybody goes and sees Fantastic Four, but nobody sees Sunshine. I'd have a different career if people saw that. I love that movie. I love Danny Boyle. I love that experience, and I love that cast. That was one of those movies, top to bottom, I'm just mm -hmm. in love with. End quote. He is so good at it. He's, and he's the, excellent. This is the, one of the my favorite cast. Chris Evans performances yeah. ever is in, is in Sunshine. Jeff, what I, a you stacked see, cast, by I think the way. You guys I talked about, Yeah, I think yeah. you saw Sunshine for Totally Rad Show, right? Am I right? Oh, yes. I loved it. Loved yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. still yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. it's Jeff, incredible. Sunshine on your Vision Pro. Do it, man. Okay. All right. It's uh, it's worth doing, but uh, what a stack cast like Baby Rose Byrne, Cliff Curtis, Michelle Yeoh, Hiroki Sonata, yeah. Benedict Wong, Mark Strong. Like it's just banger, banger. And then uh, Troy Garrity is like the other person. And <laughs> I, I, I feel for Troy Garrity because I've never heard of him before, but apparently he's a Nepo baby and he does fine in the movie. But what a stack cast! He's Otherwise. great. He is great in the he movie. He is very okay. He is very. Also, good. I think he was in Players, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Anyway. or Ballers or whatever. Ballers. Yeah, that's what yes. I mean. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about that movie is watching the commentary and mm -hmm. the movie opens by saying they sent a crew to go blow up the sun and then that they never heard from them again. So they're sending another crew. Uh, and then he's like, Danny Boyle's like, yeah, so they're sending another crew of, of, of the best physicists in the world. Or I guess it would be the second best physicist in the world <laughs> because the first best would have gone with the first crew. So yes. Th that's what you're watching in Sunshine. The second best mathematicians and physicists in the world. Uh, so keep that in mind. All right. Sunshine, available wherever you get your video on demand. And that's something else Devinder Hardware has been watching. Let's do some weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. 
uh, I have heard. You guys remember the uh, the scene in Oppenheimer when all the people are like in the auditorium and they're they're chanting. You know, they uh-huh. they're they're be, you know um, stopping their feet in anticipation. You know, um, that's basically what the crowd has been like wanting me to review the new seasons of love the new season of love is blind doesn't that um, crowd then get incinerated in the movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bur- burned beyond recognition yeah. there have been thousands nay dozens actually tens of people that have asked my wife and i to cover the latest season of love is blind on netflix uh, and to those tens of people we have respond. We have responded in kind. We have delivered what the ten or so people have asked. What both of those people wanted. Yeah, what both of those people, all seven of you wanted, all one and a half of you wanted, uh, and we have recorded a, a discussion of the first six episodes of Love Is Blind, which you can find at Decoding Reality wherever you get your podcast or DecodingReality.tv. Uh, and yeah, check it out if that is a thing you are interested in, which I assume most of you are not. So anyway. I love the idea of someone <laughs> please take no offense at this Dave, but I love the idea of someone like randomly coming upon a podcast called Decoding Reality. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh man, I'm gonna hear a podcast from the first or second best physicists in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then when they download it, it's a discussion of love is blind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we I hope we attract people that way. You know, yeah. like you gotta you gotta have a hook. You do somehow, you know. Yeah, and if even if that's just a good podcast name, good enough. So. <laughs> All right, uh, Devinger Hardware, your weekly plug. Sure, check out the latest episode of the Engadget Podcast. Uh, we basically had a Vision Pro hangover, just like extended thoughts on using this thing, and uh, we brought on Scott Stein from CNET, who I love, and uh, also check out his Vision Pro review too. Um, we, we had a really good conversation about just, you know, living with this thing. Scott, um, had some serious thoughts about like, Hey, don't be careful about using this in public. Don't be an idiot. Cause I do think a lot of the, uh, the YouTubers and stuff are like doing crazy things because they can. And it's sort of like, it is just making this entire thing just look dumber. Whereas, you know, it's a, it's a computer you can use in a quiet place while you're, while you're sitting yeah. down or moving around or in the comfort of your own home, but be careful and don't be dumb. Um, I saw that uh, yeah. th- there was a comment from one of the design team at Apple on the, the video of the dude skiing with, with it, yeah. who was like, Hey, this, this is a device that puts glass inches yeah. away from your eyeballs. <laughs> A, a one fall on the slopes could have a catastrophic effect on your life. Could be horrific, and it's Don't really be fragile. An idiot. It's really fragile. Like I, I was amidst my testing, like the front of the screen got like a slight scratch. I don't know how because I keep it in a case. You know, I keep it. It's in a case. It's transported very safely. Um, it's a very fragile thing. Don't be stupid with it, people. And uh, yeah, check out our conversation. Also, my video review is up on Engadget's YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, we did some uh, Watchmen references. So yeah, go find those. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug. I do a science show, a comedy science show. We, we talk about serious science issues, you know, almost like like decoding reality, you know, <laughs> uh, science show. Uh, but then we make jokes. It's called We Have Concerns. Myself, Anthony Carboni. We've been doing it many years. It is award winning. We won a podcast award. And uh, the newest episode, I think, is a fun one. It's called The Catpocalypse. And it's a, there's a new study that suggests that uh, the average house cat is one of the world's most 
destructive invasive species. Uh, why? How? What? You got to listen to the episode to find out. Check it out over at wehaveconcerns.com. Of course, I want to mention you can always support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast. Get ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. We never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. But if you want to support us uh, for free, there's an easy way to do that. Leave a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you got your podcasts. Or share one of our video clips on Instagram. Instagram.com slash at the filmcast pod or the filmcast pod, I should say. We'd really, really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Let's get to our review of Madam Web. A week ago, I spent my life racing against time. I'm gonna help you out today, okay? Trying to save people who were running out of it. Until one moment changed everything. Come on! Welcome back to the land of the living. I don't understand what's happening. I've been having visions. I knew he was gonna die. I think I'm seeing the future. Welcome to the film cast review of Madam Webb. I'm going to read the plot summary from the internet. Quote, Cassandra Webb is a New York City paramedic who starts to show signs of clairvoyance. Forced to confront revelations about her past, she must protect three young women from a mysterious adversary who wants them dead. End quote. This is Sony's latest attempt at creating a universe of movies based off of non-Spider-Man, Spider-Man characters, um, Spider-Verse characters. Non-Spider-People, yes. Spider-People-esque characters. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, here's the thing. You got to hand it to them because they actually were able to produce uh, two successful live-action Spider-Verse movies with Venom and Venom 2. Those, how, whatever sure. our feelings about sure. those movies, those movies didn't cost very much. And they were both pretty big hits. Against yes, all odds, Venom was a success. Yes. yes. Venom, you know, as a character uh, in the cultural conscious mm-hmm. consciousness is a little bit bigger footprint than Madame Webb. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, I've got to agree to disagree with you on that one, Jeff. <laughs> but uh, in any case... One, you can imagine, drunk with power, they're like, we can make anything work in the Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse is our oyster. Craven, Morbius, Madam (laughs) Web. The world is at our, the Spider-Verse is at our feet. We've got all the center of the web. (laughs) Surely we can make this work. Um, So uh, Craven was actually supposed to to debut last fall. It got pushed because of the writer's strike. Yeah. And so now we have Madam Web that's debuting now. And, uh, it performed disastrously at the box office. It made less than $20 million, one of the worst superhero film box office performances uh, of all time. But the question is, is the movie any good? The Vinger Hardwar. Is that the question? <laughs> the question is, will its existence mean they get to keep the Spider-Man IP? That's the question. <laughs> Do they keep the Spider-Man IP for another three years as contractually dictated? <laughs> uh, Devinger Hardwar, what were your overall thoughts on Madam Web? I, I think this movie is incredible, guys. It's incredible that we are brought back to the early 2000s. This is a superhero movie made by people who have never seen a superhero movie before. That is that is essentially where we are. And I'm brought back to that early era where there were so many experiments and so many mistakes and very little was watchable outside of the X-Men stuff. And uh, it took like Batman Begins and Christopher Nolan to kind of bring us out of it. But uh, yeah, this is a movie made from a different era where everything about it is completely incompetent. 
and it's kind of um it's a it's an amazing train wreck to watch in in that like nothing works it's incredible how little anything works like, even I, even on a technical level it on fails. a technical level um, anything listen listen i did not like rebel mood but at least rebel mood had like art direction okay it had, it had like designed well, looked expensive yeah I, I would estimate conservatively 25% of the lines in this movie were dubbed in via ADR. It's like, all ADR. It's all ADR. You don't see the person say the words, right? Yeah. It's clearly like the result of reshoots and subplots that were just cut out and all this other stuff that they had to kind of tape together with sticks and duct tape and so on. It's um, it, 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 it's incredible to watch for that for that reason. But yeah, nothing, nothing about it works. Like none of the cast works. This movie dares to uh, tease us with real superheroes only to never give us real superhero spoiler. Um, yeah, there it, it's just everything like nobody. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to be in this movie. I feel really bad, especially for Adam Scott, who just cannot get a cannot get the break What's in the superhero. In like he, like, he deserves so much better. He does not need this. this. What is he, he doing? He does not need this. What are you doing, Adam Scott? It's like um, he wanted to I, add a, a, another room onto his house. Is that what this, we, we this think? is straight out of the nineties in all respects, including Adam yes. Scott starring in terrible movies. This is Torque. This is Torque all over again. Except Torque, enjoyable for other reasons. Absolutely enjoyable would, for being I would a bad watch movie. Torque a hundred times before I watch Madame Webb again. Torque sure. is an enjoyable bad movie, whereas this one is just like it is baffling how. Every aspect of this movie, from the introduction to the to the spider people in the jungle. Why is the bad guy wearing a black spider suit? Why is anything happening? Why? I, I don't understand. Why are these characters talking to each other? Why are the girls dancing on a table? Why? <laughs> Why does this movie exist? I feel like, um, you know, if David Zaslav, uh, you know, chatted with the, with the Sony people, he, he could have been like, you know, I know what you do to a movie like this. You kill it. You kill it in the bathtub. <laughs> You do not let this thing out into the wild. And we don't want yeah. that. We don't want that. We don't okay. Want Ultimately, we at the don't end want of the that, day. But no, listen, <laughs> sometimes you look at a thing and you're like, I got to put a bullet in this thing's head. I just, it is in pain. It is wow. in misery. <laughs> this, there is nothing like it doesn't make us look good. It doesn't make anybody who touched this movie look good. It makes us all look like we're totally incompetent. So really, it would be in everybody's best interest if this movie just disappeared. <laughs> and that is Madame Webb. You know, despite everything Devinder just said, I have to say it really was a thrill to see Dakota Johnson take down an amazing villain, someone who's clearly evil through and through, who has nearly unlimited resources and who's convinced the world that they're respectable, despite being one of the worst human beings alive. But enough about Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, let's <laughs> very nice. Let's very get nice. back to the movie Madam Web. Jeff, by Cano, the way, by the way, poor Tahar <laughs> Rahim, the star of a prophet, an incredible movie. <laughs> what is he doing here? Everybody Good wants God. to add Tahar a, another bathroom. Tahar Rahim, one hundred. It felt like ninety to one hundred percent of Tahar Rahim's lines were eighty yard in. It was everybody that's in this movie. Listen, nobody doesn't want another bathroom in their house. Sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I, um, want the, I want the background story, like the behind the scenes story of how everybody was pitched Madam Webb, like how it was pitched to Dakota Johnson. How did her people read this script and be like, this is a thing you should star in? You Jeff, know? The, pr the problem is the problem is sometimes getting that extra bathroom in your house prevents you from getting future bathrooms in your house, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Maybe you just have to live uh, in that bathroom for your shame. Mammoth. What is she doing in this movie? Yeah, Zosia Mamet. Um, yeah, she's probably she's, friends with like those people, like Dakota probably. Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, and whatnot. Like they're they're you know Zosia Mamet. I loved her. Jeff Kanata. 
your overall thoughts on Madam Web? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my overall thoughts on Madam Web are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Let's hear it. As soon as our hero is bitten, like this limerick, you know what you're getting. A waste of your time. At least this one rhymes, but in truth, neither one is well written. <laughs> wow. Very meta self limerick. At, at least you admit Jeff. it, Jeff. At least you admit <laughs> it, you know? Listen, here's the problem with Madam Webb. It's not bad enough. Yes. It's not bad enough to be fun bad. Mm-hmm. I had the same problem with Morbin time, right? I had the same problem with Morbius. Everybody got all lathered up to go and, and hate watch that movie. And it's it's just not bad in any fun way, right? And the same thing with this movie. It's not bad enough. It's just flaccid and limp and just it just sits there not doing anything. It's just kind of this nothing burger it's it's if it was actually bad we could have some fun with it but it's not it's just it's just kind of sitting there and honestly i would even say there's some stuff that's not terrible about it in fact i thought everything that this movie does that attempts to be a superhero movie is bad is 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 mm-hmm. not is stupid. But when the movie like the, the first third of the movie, it actually isn't a superhero movie for a while and it's not terrible. Like the stuff that it's doing that isn't trying to fit this square peg in this superhero round hole, it, it's so clumsily attempting to be a superhero movie when it seems like nobody involved cared to make one. But like the, the movie starts with this woman who is kind of a stone cold bee and like, do, like doesn't like anybody. I'm like, I kind of like this like misanthropic lady, D- Dakota. J- By the way, Dakota, <laughs> Johnson, about Dakota Johnson or her mom right now. I'm talking about Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Okay. Dakota yeah, John- yeah. Not, not that early in the movie. That, that was <laughs> But the, like when we meet Dakota Johnson and we hang out with Dakota Johnson, she's a paramedic. She like, she kind of just doesn't like anybody. Yeah. And you can, the, the thing I love about Dakota Johnson's performance in this movie is there is no point in this movie. You are not very well aware. She hates what she's doing. Oh, absolutely. She's, she does she, not want to be here. At she all. does not want to be in this movie. And she lets, you know, as a viewer, every second of it. And I, at a certain point I was like, gotta respect that Dakota. I gotta respect that. (laughs) Like there are sequences where her only job as the actor is to convey a sense of peril. And she just won't. She's just like, (laughs) there's nothing scary about this scene. I'm sorry. I mean, we, we heard it in her recitation of the trailer. Like just lead it talking about the trailer. Like what I rolled out of bed. I, uh, I don't know, guys, like something happened, you know, our lives changed forever. There's, can yeah, I, can there's I leave? There's a, there a sequence go? where she's like literally driving a car <laughs> and a super powered <laughs> demon man is attempting to kill everyone in the car. And she's like, all right, everybody's everybody cool. Everybody buckled up. All right, here we go. Okay. All right. All right what I want you to do is turn around and look at that. It's like the funniest thing ever if, mm-hmm. from a certain perspective of like how little she gives a shit mm-hmm. about this. But I digress. The 
what I meant to say is what I intended to start with is the beginning of this movie is a woman who like, like I said, kind of hates everybody. And I'm like, I kind of dig that discovering she can see the future. And there's like some fun in that. I thought there was actually some fun in how the movie finds her realizing that she can see the future and how that works. And there's some cool visualization. Yeah. As a paramedic, you see the future and you see bad things happening and you kind of don't understand what you're seeing. Like there's some cool stuff there. Yeah. Can I yes and you for a second, Jeff? Please. Uh, That's my favorite part of the movie is all those sequences where she gets the deja vu. I actually think there are actually well done from a filmmaking perspective. The film employs all kinds of uh, visual tricks like a dolly zoom or, you know, the camera steady cam rotating around her or, you know, whatever to show you, Oh wow. Like she was just in a a vision. Right. And uh, that, that stuff is like some of the best stuff in the movie. Uh, It's great. Honestly, it's like if, if you just made a movie about a woman who realizes that she can see the future and what that does as a paramedic, like what that, that that's kind of an interesting premise. That's kind of a cool, yeah. weird movie. And the movie like starts that way and it's kind of cool. And then it just needs to be this completely other thing. And none of that, she meets these three other women for no reason. None of, and none of it makes any damn sense. And it just shoehorns all this superhero stuff into the movie that doesn't, need to be there it's not interesting it's not good people are wearing costumes for no reason whatsoever at a certain point it is like the the universe isn't a superhero universe they've not placed Mm -hmm. this in a superhero world where superhero stuff makes sense it's just it just needs to be that because that's the requirements of this movie and people expect a spider-man suit so uh, so that's what we got i guess and by the end it's just like what do we is this mm-hmm. and it's so it's so stupid there's but again not bad enough to even be interesting bad not bad enough to it didn't even raise my cockles you know it, it's it's not to me as bad as any given transformers sequel you know which, which i think is actually offensively bad to me most of them where i get angry what i what i'm watching i didn't even get angry at this movie i didn't hate this movie. I was just, just completely non-plot. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> like right. I was saying, the world, the world would be better off if this movie didn't exist. But it's almost, yeah. not worse that it does exist, right? It's like, uh, no, it's I, I, of, I, well, hey, uh, hey, a lot of, uh, you know, below the line people probably got paid from the movie. And so right. that's, sure, like, that's, that's, that's not sure. what we're talking about. Obviously that's a given. <laughs> You're saying that's, creatively, creatively uh, artistically in an artistic yeah but like there are movies that make the world worse because they exist you know that like artistically injure our collective psyche this movie doesn't do that it's just bland as all hell it's just Mm -hmm. dull and lifeless and dakota johnson knows it throughout all right uh i'll just say I, i agree with you guys i didn't think the movie was very good (laughs) <laughs> and I think we have a lot more to discuss in spoilers. I, I think you got to give us more than that, Dave. Come on, Dave. Like, you got to come I on. I think on a technical on. level, it suffers. I think Dakota Johnson brings a really specific energy to her roles. Uh, and that energy works well in a movie like Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which is sure. not a movie I didn't like that I like that much, but... Nonetheless, she is a good fit for that movie. She's a but good fit for the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. That first movie is hilarious mainly because of her, you know? 
I agree with Jeff that all the superhero stuff doesn't make any sense. Her powers don't make any sense. The way it's revealed don't make any sense. There's um, no explanation for, like, we get that she can see the future, and that's kind of set up. And then there's all this other weird stuff that she can do. It's like, what? What is that? Yeah. Um, why does the bad guy, why can he do things? Right. Like, yeah, none yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, none of it is clicking. I, yeah. Basically, I, I, I would like to eviscerate sure. this movie in detail. In spoilers. So let, let's, let me just talk about one yeah. thing. Like I knew this movie would be a problem when we are standing at the beginning with a conversation between um, Adam Scott's character, whose name is Ben Parker, <laughs> eh? um, and he's having a conversation with Dakota Johnson, and there it's just like a back and forth, and then the camera is like smash zoom, smash zoom for no reason. <laughs> Just like we we gotta we gotta make this more dynamic. We gotta make the scene pop a little more. Just just uh, do a digital zoom over here, digital zoom over there. Clearly, like from the one of the very first scenes, honestly, the the intro scene too, also a disaster in terms of like uh, nothing makes sense here or is believable or plausible. But just those smash zooms, when you see those things deployed so early on, you know you're in trouble. The, Let me I ask you guys this who, question. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Go I would ahead, say quickly ahead. that I had a friend who who said, I think smartly, that the, the people making movies over at Sony Pictures uh, stopped watching movies in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that like, and they're like, hey, I've seen enough, uh, but now I'm going to make movies and let's just make them all like they were made in right, 2004. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there a favorite 2000 era reference in the movie for you guys? Um, we see a blockbuster know. video. You know, in the background at the beginning I mean, of the movie, Pepsi. Nobody drinks Pepsi anymore. Right? A lot Pepsi's, of Pepsi a, Pepsi's a big, big part a lot of that. Of Pepsi. Uh, yeah, a lot of the Pepsi. the movie, the Britney Spears song "Toxic" plays a substantial role in the movie, yeah. despite yeah, the fact that "Toxic" did not come out until November of two thousand three, when clearly everyone in the movie is wearing short sleeves and it's like summer or spring. Uh, so huge yeah. mark against the film, right there. Huge mark against say. the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, any, any other favorite, uh, oh, but also, uh, at one point somebody mentions Martha Stewart and Sydney Sweeney's character, yeah. I think says, she, oh, it's so awful. What's happening? So to her awful. Right what now, happened? Which her. is an amazing, yeah. so, amazing. Yeah, place reference. it in time. Place it in time. I mean, exactly. No exactly. iPods. Nobody, nobody's mm. like sh- showing off an iPod. Nothing is like screaming. Exactly. Those aren't Sony products. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Wouldn't they You've be? You've never seen an iPod in a Sony movie. Wouldn't yeah. they be using a uh, what like a Sony MP3 player? Yeah, well, yeah, like one of those they, they MP3 had players. yeah Sony Walkman MP3 player. They, we, mm-hmm. we would be seeing them use anyway. All right, folks, a few more things to discuss. Let's get to spoilers for Madam Web starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. In order to explain the stupidity of this movie, I must go through some specific plot elements of it. I may read from the Wikipedia page of this, and so if I'm quoting from something, that's what it is. The movie begins in 1973, where Ezekiel Sims and his pregnant partner, Constance Webb, discover an unidentified species of spider in Peru with rare healing properties. Uh, Ezekiel then betrays the entire team, murders everyone, but shoots all these, a pregnant woman. Shoots a pregnant woman. All these Amazonian yep. spider people descend from the sky uh, and then Las save Aranias. her life. Save her life and then al- allow her to birth her daughter, Cassandra. Um, 
pretty ridiculous scene. And then the guy, what the guy who is like kind of the head of the spider people says, one day <laughs> this daughter is going to come back seeking answers. And when she returns, I will be here. Keep that I in mind. For later. I will not age. Keep that in mind here. for later on. <laughs> Cut to 30 years later. This movie, by the way, filled with Chekhov's blank, right? <laughs> this is very much Chekhov's uh, water cave. Because yeah. it will be back and it will be important later on. Go ahead. Cut to 30 years later. Cassandra Webb's a paramedic working with Ben Parker. Hey, it's nice to see Ben Parker in a scenario where he's not getting murdered. I'm just going to say yet. that. Like, not yet. It's it's not, you know, I'm just saying it's that's that's just another. I didn't want to bring this up because mm-hmm. I, arguably spoiler. But hey, that's another thing the movie gave us. What was Ben Parker's life before he got murdered? Who we, cares? Now, now we, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> now we know. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Ezekiel is having all these visions of these three spider girls or women who murder him. And so in, he's in, like, in okay, the I, worst in the worst costumes you've ever seen in a superhero uh, yeah. motion picture. Like they look <laughs> like there was yeah, a terrible. CW version of Birds of Prey mm-hmm. in like the in like the mid 2000s. It's exactly ripped from that. He's like, I got to. I got to track these girls down and kill them before they can kill me. So in order to do that, he uh, seduces this NS- mm-hmm. NSA operative. At he, an goes opera. An opera. he goes to an opera. He goes to an opera. He sits next to an NSA <laughs> operative, seduces them. Yeah. Of, co- of course, they would not be suspicious about <laughs> going to sleep with like a random dude that just Who sits has, next like, to them. keeps like spiders in his apartment, you know. Who immediately negs her too. Like his, his smooth move is, would you like this playbill? Uh-uh-uh. It's my playbill. Okay, I'll give you this playbill. <laughs> Bad man. Bad. I man. like I guess that. I shouldn't he try that move anymore. Exp- Don't try ex- that move anymore. <laughs> he explains to her everything before. I, right. He explains it all to her. Gives he the monologue. It all. He monologues, yeah. right? She, but she's having the conversation too. Again, nonplussed by by well, this conversation. You about guys a man. are kind of using nonplussed wrong. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay, I, fine. I, I, don't, I, it, I tried yeah. to take it back and I yeah. couldn't, Dave. Nonplussed is now like a literally. Situation oh where, like, the new definition has become. She is unfazed exactly. by his definition, yes, by whatever, but she is murdered. Thank you, Devendra. Thank and you. Uh, <laughs> he takes her security credentials, which are. She, yeah, she walks it, with it, around with in, her security ID. In order to. You, she yeah, takes it the, to the opera. The NSA. <laughs> The NSA, do. the NSA has no like two factor authentication yep. or anything like no, that. Why would they? Um, and then uh, he uses it because he wants to tap into the NSA's facial recognition system. Now, what Zosia Mamet is doing without the NSA access, who's to say? Like, what, what's she doing otherwise if she doesn't have that? Who knows? Listen, back then, if you sat at a computer and there were like three monitors in front of you, everybody thought you were a hacker. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You didn't really need to do much. <laughs> you just so, had to sit in front of three monitors. So then they use it to hack into the NSA's facial recognition system using a description of the girls from his visions. <laughs> That's right. right. Like he, he, he describes them really good. The girls in she, this one's blonde. <laughs> she's she has like mask. she's got like she's like got pretty face, like real pretty face. I the just watched Finding Francis, the Nathan Fielder mm-hmm. like final episode of uh, Nathan for You, and there is a moment where he hires an aging specialist who like takes like a photo and like draws like a bunch of wrinkles on it, and like that's the thing. It's basically that level of technology where he's like, here's the people from your vision. Now here's what they look like, de-aged and without masks on. Yeah. <laughs> and it shows the girls in the movie. It is ridiculous. It does, but the thing is, master like, artist, you, know? you describing it like that makes it seem fun and funny. But yeah. it's, n- it's not. It's, it's just not. boring. 
I had a good time while watching it because I was like, this is one of the silliest things I've ever seen in my life. The thing about Venom, right, is that it was filled with camp. Like, yes, that's, that's how you true. make a bad yeah. movie that is campy and, like, enjoyable. Uh, to, uh, you know, uh, what, what's his face? Like, he he is doing... Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. He's having fun. And I think, like, the uh, some of the thinking here is like, oh, you know, um, Dakota Johnson adds a bit of fun to this movie. It's like, no, except her energy is... I don't want to jump in that fish tank. Right. Her energy is uh, find me the shortest route out of this movie. You know, I think a that significant, kind of too. you know, I, I, people are saying this will be a camp classic. I think that. No, the, talk about could, re- using a word badly too. I don't know because I think that Venom has a self-awareness about its campiness yes. and this movie yes. does not. No, I, think and I the, actually think that's okay. I, I think, think that's the, okay. I think yeah. the, I think you're right that the key feature of becoming a camp classic is not being in on your own jokes. Yes. Yes. Or, you yes. Know, this is true. Like the room as another. Example. Yes. Yeah. Troll two, you know, these yes, classic perfect. movies yeah. that they were going for it. They just failed. Yeah. But this movie is not, it doesn't even have enough ambition mm-hmm. to, to go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. That's a fair point. That's a fair well, point. The, the campiest thing from this movie was the line from a trailer. He was exploring the Amazon with my mother when she was killed. Not even, yeah, they tease worst. us. Dude, with the, the worst camp. line of this entire movie is the inversion of the classic <laughs> Spider-Man. Line. Yes, yeah, that was pretty. That rough. is the biggest offense. Where I was like, yeah. "Are you kidding me?" Doesn't yes. mean anything when it you invert mean it. Anything. With with great responsibility, you get power. I was like, "Come on." <sighs> so anyway, uh, Cassandra has a near death experience, and that causes her to start having future visions. Um, and then simultaneous to that. Uh, Ezekiel starts going after these three women because he wants to kill them before they kill him. Mm-hmm. So they all converge at Grand Central Station, and she manages to get them out of the situation by stealing a New York City taxi. Let's let's rewind a little because the <laughs> the insanity of this whole situation is also like. Okay, good thing they actually shot in New York. Like, that's, like, the one believable element. Like, some <laughs> scenes actually in New York. I think most of them aren't actually when they're trying yeah. to be in the city. But she's in the train. She's having, like... She's losing track yeah, of reality, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people are coming in at her. Yeah. She sees the vision of the guy coming in to kill them. So what she does is she just goes and like straights up. It's it's like there is, I guess there would be no plan, but it's very much like, hey, girls, like come, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. kidnap you. I'm kidnapping you, and like uh one of them, Sydney Sweeney's characters, even like kidnapping happening here. Um, <laughs> kind of hilarious. Just right. kind of hilarious how how badly it all kind of works out. She takes them. a New York City taxi, whisks them out into the middle of the woods. They mess around in a diner and almost get murdered by Spider. No, 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 no. Again, again, <laughs> she steals a New York City taxi cab. Right. You're going to drive a far ways to get to the middle <laughs> of the woods. So she drives half an hour into New Jersey or something, okay, to, to get to the woods. Leaves the girls here. Her plan, girls, wait here for three hours. No food. No nothing. <laughs> Just wait here. Be good. Of course. Of course. They go have fun. That entire diner sequence. I don't know what is happening. It's like a, no human wrote that scene because at one point they're like, I love the song Toxic. I'm gonna get up here on this table. Yeah, let's and dance let's, to Toxic as everybody Im- does. Let's impress these boys. Let's impress these boys, been, even it, though we're being kidnapped and need help. We're be, like your 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 mission is to lay low. I'm gonna <laughs> dance on the table here to Toxic. Somehow the music gets louder in the diner, as if the diner owner, <laughs> the proprietors, want to create a nightclub atmosphere in their family <laughs> diner. So toxic is blaring. These girls are on the table. Nothing makes any sense. Um, and then they get, she gets there and the, the, the girls are embarrassed that they were dancing on the table. Why right. were they dancing on the table? 
because toxic. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they love this song. It's going to be the biggest you, hit of the year. I dare you to listen to that song and not dance on a table. Yeah, it's but true. Yes, uh, the entire time she's driving this New York City taxi cab for for like literally almost the rest of the film. Yeah, and then she's like, "Hey, I got to go to the Amazon to figure this shit out." Wait, 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 wait. She's driving the New York City taxi yeah. cab. They take time to show us. Oh, this these license plates. They're going to track this taxi cab. I'm going to have to take a screwdriver, pull off these license plates. Every single freaking shot of the taxi cab has the code number of the yep. taxi cab, identifying it right at the top. Yep. Yep. I hope so. So yeah. then she, she runs, she runs the taxi, the taxi cab into, uh, into the side of the diner, which would make New York city news for sure. If that happened. she's already wanted for kidnapping <laughs> these three girls. So these girls are on. Yeah. There's APBL for the girls. Yeah. She is wanted. Somebody may be tracking a taxi cab. Okay, that's set now. Okay. Yeah, but then she, for some reason, continues to drive the taxi cab for us. Continues of to drive the taxi. She Who, can go in and out of New York. One of the most like highly, <laughs> this is post 9-11 New York, one of the most highly tracked like cities <laughs> in the world. Yep, yep in yep. and out. Apparently, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. completely fine. Okay, so, uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This movie implies that there is a dude in a Spider-Man-esque outfit Running around doing crimes mm-hmm. decades before Peter Parker became a thing, right? That's like, true. sure, sure. Yeah. But that That's was right. never mentioned in any. Anyway, weird, weird <laughs> that weird. there was never any connection there. It but. actually should should never have even been set in New York, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. She goes to the Amazon, finds a tree. She is there's a warrant out for her arrest. Yeah. Police are looking for her. She leaves the country. Easily. Yep, leaves the country easily. Leaves the country. Cut to Gets she's on through a, airport she's, security. She's on a tiny propeller plane landing uh-huh. in the Amazon. By the way, the forest looks strikingly similar to the forest that she was just in. I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> I saw some palm trees in the background. Yeah, and uh, she finds the literal exact tree that her mom was standing next to using a photo that her mom took. Yeah, and when well, she shows you, up, the dude yeah. from the first scene is there. Yeah, he's been, and he says, been I was waiting. I knew one day you would come, and I was waiting here. It's like, what's that guy's life like? You know, is he just <laughs> every day he's coming to the tree, the tree and waiting? Honey, I'm going to go tree. check the tree for today. Check the I'll tree. I'll be back by dinner. And she's like, honey, babe, I'm telling you, you've been doing this for 29 years. She is never coming back. <laughs> oh, you've little faith. Mm-hmm. Don't they Listen, all see I the only... future? They don't they all see the future? They all kind of see the future. So, so they, have that. they have that, that working for them, Dave. You know? At you that point, know. they explain what her powers are, which is like you, you can see things and maybe even be in multiple places at once. But by the way, you didn't get all the power. You know, she's like, well, why don't I have the poisoning powers? Yeah, or, yeah. Why don't I have the ability to walk strong. along? And he's like, yeah. I guess he didn't get those powers. And I it's like, like the moment where she's like, spiders <laughs> can walk on walls. I should be able to walk on walls. And then she just slides down the wall sadly. Yeah. yeah. And it's just His... so funny because like, why would anyone think they could walk on walls? <laughs> why would anyone go, you know what I should be able to do? <laughs> and, by the way, this is a world where Peter Parker is a... Not even a gleam in his <laughs> father's eye. You know what I mean? Well, he's, he's, he's to be he fair, is a gleam. He he's is a gleam. gleam. He's a fetus at this point. Yes. You know? But yes. Um, yes. But the point is, like, there's no, no one, sense that anyone has ever walked on walls before. <laughs> Listen, right. uh, I, I love the 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 Lazaranias guy, uh, the spider guy's response. So why do I have those powers? It's literally just the Simpsons. It's Homer going, oh. <laughs> and then, like. Shrug. But how did Ezekiel Sims get them? Like, footage not found. They don't explain. Did he? He was cursed. He was cursed. Did he inject spider juice into himself at some point? We don't know. But he was also cursed by the spider. Anyway, everyone converges on 
literally a fireworks factory for the final action scene. Chekhov's fireworks factory. Isn't Let's get that the name a right. joke? Isn't that a joke? The fireworks factory? Isn't that a joke? In- you, you think that's like a self... Like, this is the thing. is yes. I don't mm-hmm. know... If the movie is self-aware enough to know that it is a self, like a, a Wait, fun well, yeah, what do you mean by it being a joke, Jeff? Well, isn't there like an established meme of like oh, going to the fireworks factory and having a fight, but the fireworks don't go off? Wasn't that a thing from something? I, I, I do not. I am I not remembering a, this. I want to say it's a Simpsons thing. You know? I do it could, too. Maybe it's it could a, be. again a Pink Panther. Anyway, uh, yeah. There's like what, a fu- there's a thing about going to the fi- having a yeah. fight at the fireworks factory. Yeah, but none of the fireworks go off, and and that's it's like subverting expectations. Anyway, okay, that sounds I like something that from like, like a they hot knew shots. exactly what they were doing by setting it at a oh, fireworks or, factory. Originally no. from the this is from Urban Dictionary. Ur- mm-hmm. Originally from the Simpsons, where Itchy and Scratchy were trying to travel to the fireworks yes. factory, but they were prevented from doing so by the unpopular third character Poochie to the dismay of viewers. So it's like. Like, why, <laughs> what, when will they get to the fireworks factory? So they yes. never got to the fire. So hey, this is, movie shows us. Is it a tongue in che- <laughs> is it a tongue in cheek reference to the Simpsons meme, or is it just somebody thought it would be fun to set a, a final action scene at the fireworks factory? Who knows? Hey, not as long a bad, as it not has a bad a, place. As long as it has action. a giant Pepsi sign, that's the only important part. Listen again, check. Uh, is that even the checkoff sign? Because we see that Pepsi sign early on when they talk about this fire station is a death trap. Somebody could <laughs> die in here. Uh, early on in the movie. By the way, even before they get to that, she's like, hey girls, you gotta know how to do CPR because you're superheroes and sometimes you gotta pump a chest. All right. So <laughs> just keep that in mind for 20 minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the fireworks factory and they she just starts chucking flares yep. left and right. She's throwing flares everywhere. They're all they're all throwing flares. They're all and throwing then she can flares predict into the fire. Where the flares will explode. Uh, and by doing so, she's able to evade the flares and direct the explosions. That's cool. Ezekiel Sims. That's a cool idea. Conceptually, th- that's cool. If you have, if you're <laughs> sitting there and, and, and you're looking at, you know, page sixty-five of your script and it's blank, and you're like, I got a hero with with future predicting powers. What can I do that's cool? Oh, mm-hmm. I can predict the trajectories of the cool. Th- I think that's cool. I, th- I think the language of the movie didn't make that clear until like later on in the sequence. But again, yeah. Daredevil, early 2000s Daredevil, I feel like has d- did kind of similar stuff because it was also about a guy who couldn't, you know, he was a blind superhero. And they that movie did some really cool visualizations of how Daredevil can see the world. Oh. I would say it's cool in concept, Jeff, but yes. I think yeah. execution is very silly. Not um, disagreeing with that. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that was an amazing sequence. I'm saying that on the page, on the page, that's a neat idea. That's a neat idea of like, oh, she's going to be in a place where she's literally going to create chaos, but because she can see the future, it's not chaos for her. I think that's yeah, a, a neat right. idea. But by the way, the the writer, one of the writers of this movie is probably one of your favorite people, Dave, right? Writer of Gods of Egypt? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that, man. Another camp classic. Matt Sazama. Yeah. So eventually she's able to uh, direct the explosions in such a way that they benefit her. And... She's getting all these premonitions, right? I don't know if you guys saw. It's like S, the letter S, S, the letter S must be important somehow. And then at the end of the day, it's the letter P from the sign that crushes him. (laughs) That crushes. uh, 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 There's a huge Pepsi Cola sign, and the P falls off and then crushes Ezekiel Sims, Mm. and that's how they they uh, kill him. It's really. I think what strikes me about these movies, like Morbius and whatever, is they have so he also little... Morbius, by the way, that same guy. They have so little Matt money Zama. for 
these action scenes. Like there's there's not a single good action scene in the whole film, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, it's really just like budget action scenes. And it's it's interesting to see like, oh, what what is a creative way? Uh, it, fireworks, explosions everywhere, and also a gigantic sign uh, crushes him. And Maybe Pepsi that, can help sponsor this, yeah. uh, this yeah. action scene. I'm sure yeah. those weren't cheap. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely. I'm sure absolutely. that sequence wasn't cheap. She gets split into three people at one point. <laughs> You know, it's. I'm sure that it was not a cheap sequence to make. It looks like it took like at least three hours in After Effects to make. I, I, it's I've not seen in-game. better work on the CW, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, I just yeah. don't think it's bad. This movie is bad enough. I think. I think they needed to lean into the bad in order to even. But uh, you can't. Once you start leaning into the bad, then also you kind of fail too. Like that's a whole other thing. Like it's a, it's a weird balance to like truly make a camp classic. I'd say. She is blinded and injured by the uh, exploding fireworks and then kind of needs to be in a wheelchair and wears these glasses. And that's more of the signature Madame Mm. Web look from the comic books. Uh, And that's how the the movie ends is like, hey, I am now the character that we thought I would be at the beginning of the film. uh, But now I am at the end of the film and we're going to go off on all these adventures that you will never see because these movies will never. You'll never see them. These three, three girls inexplicably still don't have powers. But well, they do have out. powers. They do. Well, they not have incredible at that point. powers, but not we don't know how they point. got them. We don't know. Again, we they don't have powers in this movie, Jeff. Yeah, we in see the, the movie, future in, in the yeah. movie to, yeah. to where right. they have it. But they right now, these powers. teen girls, yeah. we are teased the possibility of powers. We never actually get it. You know, we're teasing an origin story that we never actually see. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 It, that's, that part was pretty silly as, as well. Sony still has not learned. Like, you can't join a movie well anyway i -hmm. I think they they focused too much on what the future would be without figuring out how to make the present movie into something that was interesting and compelling unfortunately right so one thing i'll say about if you if you're the the kind of the the equation for a camp classic right is you have to believe you are making something good yeah it is the the intention you're putting that into the work that is a part of the secret of the room it's because the yeah. dude thought he's actually making something great. The thing about this movie, everybody, it seems like everybody is aware it's a piece of shit. Like, that's, I don't that's know the about unfortunate that. thing. That, this is the thing I don't know about. You know, S.J. Clarkson is the director of this movie. TV director, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's made a lot of excellent stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, she's directed episodes of, uh, or she's worked on Succession and House and Heroes and, um, yeah. And, and so uh, d- definitely like a talented individual. Um, but I also know that there's a reason all these Sony movies look and sound and feel the same. It's because mm-hmm. there's one guy who's driving this train. His name is Tom Rothman. He's the head of the studio. He, he and he, you know, whatever he his stopped failures, watching movies in 2004. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knows how to bring movies in under a hundred million dollars, you know, yeah. and all the movies certainly look and feel like they came in under under hundred million dollars, but unfortunately none of them are particularly good. So, um, yeah. This, uh, I agree with you. Jeff, it recalls a dark time period in our lives mm-hmm. when there are much worse superhero films. Can you remember when Catwoman? Yeah. The 2004 Electra. superhero mm-hmm. film. Came, yeah, Electra, right? Yeah. It's, it literally feels like it could have come out at that time. It could have come out in 2005, you know, which by the way is when this movie actually takes place. You, it's funny, you, uh, you mentioned Heroes as one of the yep. things. And it just catapulted me into a memory hole as you were talking of you know heroes was a big deal because we had never seen superhero concept taken seriously 
at that level before. Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with good execution too. It like was good writing. It, it's crazy. Yeah. Like that show compared to ninety percent of the Marvel universe is terrible. But <laughs> at the time, all of us geeks were freaking out because it was like, "Whoa, there's a TV show and it's called Heroes and it's about superheroes." Right. It's just it's an amazing thing to recall that it doesn't feel like a million years ago to me. Mm-hmm. But it's so long ago culturally where there just wasn't any of that content. It just yeah, didn't, there, there was people any didn't have yeah. superhero content live action. Mm-hmm. And that was any good at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, how far how far the pendulum has swung, you know? I mean, Hero, Heroes went badly, but there was some good stuff, especially early on. Like Brian Fuller was working on that show and just like so many interesting concepts. Like it was better than we expected it to be. That was part of the appeal early on. Then like season For two, sure. it all fell apart. Yeah. yeah. Well, it it, it 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 had no idea where it was going, but it yeah. was a show all about where is it going. And that's uh, a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say one last thing about this is it, it really does seem to me as though the production of this film was quite troubled. Um, what know, makes you wh- say that? Okay, why else would Taha Rahim need to redub all his lines? Like, mm-hmm. uh, why would Sydney Sweeney wear one of the worst wigs I've ever seen? Probably due to reshoots, right? She's probably yeah. like had to do reshoots and had to put yeah. on a different wig. You know, um, why are there like subplots like Taha Rahim seducing the NSA agent? Literally, why did that need to be in the movie at all? Like, there's no reason that had to be in the film. They, he could have just Taha Rahim's character spawns as like somebody who has access to NSA stuff. Like it doesn't, you don't need to do any of that. So mm-hmm. there's all these like threads of things that felt like they were other ideas um, that were not really developed. Uh, and uh, so to, to me, and, and, and by the way, um, we have seen time and time again that people who make movies at Sony butt heads against perhaps even good friends of people on this podcast might have tried to make a movie at Sony and mm-hmm. butted heads with Tom Rothman. So I'm just saying like, it seems like the head of the studio has really strong creative impulses and like steamrolls a lot of people and and the impulses are bad and the impulses are bad and it makes for movies that are like not very good, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I have to say that, uh, despite everything we've just said, you know, my guess is that it was a challenge to make this movie. You know, it was a challenge to, I'm sure to make this movie, watch this movie, but but, but, yeah, I agree. I agree. But also (laughs) like, you know, um, I bet there was like many, many fights that we don't even know about. Right? Oh, like, I'm sure. To, to make I'm sure. No, so, nobody like sets out to make a bad movie. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, I don't know what the final script of this movie looked like. Like, I don't know what the final decisions are. But it's like when you're if your job, especially as a like a first time director for a, a massive film like this is is to just make the movie. You know, you make the movie and you make with what you deal with what you can, but you can't, you can't really help it. Right. You don't have to enjoy yeah, so the process. Sometimes yeah. it's beyond their control is yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. And and I'm so, not blaming SJ Clarkson yeah. for this. I think Absolutely. it's the entire, like it, basically the studio, right. Like is pushing this thing out when it, there's no reason for it to really exist. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and we will see the limits of this idea this fall. Like we're going to see Craven come out. We're going to see Venom. Are we going to see Craven come out? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to see Craven and Venom three. And like at, at the end of that, um, I, I think they'll call. They'll call it. They'll be like, "We're done. We're, we can't make any more of these Spider Verse movies. Like we're done with it." Uh, so we'll find out uh, how how well those movies do. I think will dictate whether this there's any more gas in the tank of this whole. Maybe, maybe, this maybe whole we'll plan. see the Craven the Hunter fights Morbius with Venom movie. Like that's really what all this is leading to, guys. That's what the audience wants to see. Y- well, yeah. I, I think that. Mm-hmm the fact that the superhero 
genre has collapsed even at the high level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, it doesn't bode well for this lower tier. (laughs) You gotta, I I do admire the audacity of it a a little bit, you know, the audacity of we're going to make a whole interconnected movie, like universe of Spider-Man movies with no Spider-Man in them. Like that's just, they're also not fully interconnected. I think (laughs) it is. Yeah. Craven money grab. It's what yes. have we got? It is a craven. It's the real craven. The yeah. real craven. Who is the real grab. craven? The hunter sucking yeah. the venom out of every madam they have. <laughs> out of every Mor- Morbius. David, <laughs> what what are you supposed to say? A boom goes dynamite. What no, are you? Come on, <laughs> come on, come on. Bad joke, Jeff. Oh, oh, uh, pretty rough, Jeff. Thank you. Pretty rough, Jeff. Thank you. Pretty rough. All right. Anyway, at the end of the day, it is impressive that S.J. Clarkson made a movie. And that's going to bring us to the end of the filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh, Noah Ross. He also did our weekly plugs music and he edited this episode. Patreon.com slash filmpodcast where you can support the podcast. Next week on the show. Drive Away Dolls. This is the latest film from Ethan Cohen, who is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yes. And also, I have heard not a single word about this film in any context. Uh, wow. I, I don't even know what it's about beyond the poster. I have not heard anyone talk about this movie. Uh, but we must give Ethan Cohen his respect. So, mm-hmm. anyway. That's it for this week's episode of the Filmcast. Should be a lot of fun to discuss Ethan Cohen's newest movie next week and also Dune 2 in a couple weeks. Lots to come. Keep it tuned in right here. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>